This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Good Friday afternoon, uh, everyone. Once again, not Linda Swain, Brian Callahan in for Linda one more time. On this Friday, uh, launch us into the weekend, and no shortage once again. Even on a Friday, um, sometimes you'll see all the bad news come out on a Friday afternoon. But there's a lot of good good stuff coming out today. Um, of course, uh, let's see. Let's just flick through some of the headlines in the news. This being news talk and all. Uh, unemployment rate is actually down in the province under nine percent for the first time, and I can't remember how long it was. Uh, it's standing at eight point eight right now, and at the same time, the federal, uh, the national unemployment rate ticked up a tiny bit up to 5.4 but under 10 percent under 9 percent I should say um, it was 10.2 in May I believe but uh, it's now down so that's almost a a one and a half percent drop in a month uh, it always bodes well of course uh, you know we're no strangers to unemployment in this province so it's always great when the rate drops uh, other stories today in the news new school uh, the location of that new high school for Portugal Coast St. Phillips uh, was announced this afternoon. I was over there this afternoon. It's a town hall, lovely event. Premier was there, uh, Ministers of Education uh, was there as well, as well as infrastructure, uh, Crystalyn Howell and John Abbott. Um, and they were there too. Um, well, of course, the government had about $127 million for new schools in the current budget, but it's not just Portugal Coast, St. Phillips. I should say, just get back to that, the new school will be built. They unveiled the location at the corner of Old Broad Cove Road and Maggie's Place. So, that's uh, if you carry along there by Windsor Lake going towards Portugal Cove and you hang a left onto Old Broad Cove, you go down a few minutes and right there on your right, you'll see the big infrastructure sign from the provincial government uh, denoting and um, uh, spelling out where the site, right across in the super mailbox there if you live in the neighborhood. So, you know, I mean, they make much of the fact that they've been busing students to schools and putting extra pressure on schools, especially Prince of Wales Collegiate. So I think it's uh, 2026 looks like um, it's a September of 2026 is the potential or tentative opening date. So it'll take a couple of years yet, but um, uh, much, uh, much anticipated, much needed for years and years and years. That's been uh, sought down there, not just um, and by every government of every color. And of course, today, the premier gave shout outs to uh, Dave Brazel, the opposition leader, for his hard work on, uh, on getting that um, uh, school approved and over the finish line, over the finish line on paper, that is. Um, and as well, of course, Mayor Carl McDonald, who has been a staple and on that council there back to the 70s and yeoman's effort, yo women's effort, if you will. Uh, they were both singled out today, of course, Brazel and, um, and Mayor McDonald, as well as many others for all the advocacy and getting that high school for that area. So um, I have some uh, some comments and some tape from that uh, event um, coming up in the next half hour. Let's see what else we got. Of course, there was the uh, pride flag raising today at St. John's City Hall in downtown St. John's. Uh, of course, the launch of two weeks of events for the LGBT community, um, which will, of course, end in a large parade downtown. 
And uh, so uh, we hear from Danny Breen there this morning, as well as um, Eddie St. Cur with the uh, with Pride. And so uh, I'll get to some of that as well in the next half hour. And one other thing, and this isn't just news talk today, but um, I've been trying to get a hold of uh, Jason King. So we'll turn. This can also be sports talk, can't it, Claudette? We could have sports talk. We could talk sports. We could talk the Jays if we want, but um, and oh, the lines Sarah are. Sarah Strickland here. She loves talking about the Jays. Oh, Sarah's busy little bee in the background. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't take her away from all that hard work she's putting in back there. Um, be great distraction because yes, she knows her sports. But uh, yeah, we could have a sports talk on a Friday afternoon. Uh, we could talk the Jays, but that can get pretty. Although they did sweep the White Sox yesterday, but no, I'm talking Jason King and his um, um, appointment this week as an assistant coach with the Minnesota Wild. So we've had success on that front. Daryl Williams, of course, from Labrador City, uh, assistant coach with the Philadelphia Flyers, and who actually was behind the bench as a head coach for the final regular season game for Philadelphia this year. Um, just stepping in for Torts, Tortorella there for one game. But uh, and John Slaney, of course, was. Um, Assistant coach with Philly, uh, coming up through those ranks. I may be missing someone, but that's why I say it, just to put it out there. I'm sure I'll get a couple of calls. But uh, great for Jason King. Just came from the Vancouver Canucks. And, of course, his playing uh, career uh, uh, began with the Halifax Mooseheads. Of course, he was with the um, the AHL's Ice Caps here in St. John's under Glenn Stanford and the crowd. So I had a great conversation with Jason just a short time ago from Minnesota, where he's getting his feet wet and getting acclimatized to the two-and-a-half-hour time difference. Uh, we're so used to hour-and-a-half Eastern time difference. This is going to have to be um, another adjustment to try to catch a few wall games and Jace behind the bench. So we had a great chat about uh, his family and everything, moving there and getting uh, accustomed to the area and getting ready for a great season with Minnesota. So I'll have that conversation, actually, um, coming up after the break. And, again, if you want to weigh in on any of the news stories in um, – News stories. Stories in the news today. Uh, also, Mi'kmaq lawyer from Newfoundland and Labrador has been named to the Senate today. That came out just a little while ago. Judy White, born and raised in Flat Bay uh, on the West Coast. Um, that's uh, the latest appointment from Newfoundland and Labrador to uh, the um, to the federal Senate, to the upper changer, the, uh, they call it the uh, of second thought, um, sober second thought which I always found kind of funny and giggled at, but, uh, you know, that next chamber, the red chamber. Um, so prior to this appointment, Judy White uh, served as an assistant deputy minister in Indigenous Affairs, of course, with the, in Newfoundland and Labrador. In 2019, of course, made history as the first Indigenous woman to assume the position of chair of the Human Rights Commission. Uh, the province's Human Rights Commission, and she held that position of Director General of Indigenous Services with Canada, so certainly no stranger to those uh, hallways of, uh, of decision-makers throughout the country and here in the province. So uh, that's great, Judy. Great news today, of course. Um, an Indigenous person now appointed to represent Newfoundland and Labrador in the federal Senate. So, uh, as mentioned, um, we're going to take a short break here in a minute, but when we come back, I'm going to have my conversation with Jason King. Little uh, curveball, little sports uh, this afternoon. Not just sports, but um, his great career and how he came, how he's, uh, you know, excelled to get to the point where he is now. I mean, those aren't easy positions to fill, as you will hear. Um, you know, it's a small community of coaches and assistant coaches in the NHL. Everybody kind of knows each other, so when you 
when uh, when you land a job like that, it speaks volumes about your personality and your your character. So, uh, of course, he's from Newfoundland Labrador. What else will we expect? So right after the break, I'll have that conversation with Jason King. This is News Talk. I'm Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain. We'll be right back. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. Brian Callahan back with you on this Friday afternoon. Talk a little sports here now. And as I mentioned before the break, uh, Jason King was named an assistant coach with the Minnesota Wild this week. Uh, not the first Newfoundlanders. There's a very short list of them to do it, but um, uh, right up there. And um, a great nod to Jason for his hard work and, and solidifying his place in the ranks of coaches in the NHL. No small feat whatsoever. It's interesting trying to connect this week. So um, I just got off the phone about an hour ago, but they're busy this week now with rookie, um, rookie camps and the drafts and uh, getting their... Um, you know what, in order for the upcoming season. So trying to connect wasn't uh, the easiest thing back and forth over the last few days, but we finally uh, hit the jackpot this afternoon. And um, they call, and uh, Jason was great enough to give me a few more minutes than had originally been uh, had originally been planned there, but I um, can't say enough. Uh, and we just began by having a quick chat about um, you know, how, what it's like beyond hockey, what it's like trying to bring the family to a new city, uh, which is the nature of the beast in the sport when you change teams. Well, actually, uh, me and Jen and the boys came down uh, on the weekend just to kind of scout the area out, and then we're uh, development camp started on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, so that's a whole other facet that, uh, you know, people think first about the game, but uh, the family move is never, uh, it's always interesting. It has to be exciting, right? It's got to be more excitement than stress. Yeah, it's just a combination of both, especially when you get kids involved, right? You want to make sure that the family is set up. As much as we love what we do on the hockey side of it, you want to make sure that the family is comfortable and in a good situation. So uh, so it's all, you know, it's all inclusive, but, you know, as long as they're set up, then I can do my thing, and it all rolls from there. Yeah, so how old are the boys now? Not to go too deep into the family, but... Boys are 15 and 12. Holy. Yeah, Caden Earl's going to 11th, and Kaiser's actually he's going into 7th this year. And uh, what do they think of it all, Jace? They're they're actually you know what they're they're troopers they're 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 pumped you know what they've they've loved Vancouver uh, we really enjoyed our time there but uh, but you know what they've always been up for a new adventure and I'm sure when the time comes we're pulling out of town there'll probably be a few tears but. Um, but you know what? They're actually excited to get down here and get uh, get the new adventure going. So let me ask the million dollar question: How did this all come about? Um, you know, did you did you wonder about where your coaching and your career might go after Vancouver, or was this kind of a fait accompli? Or give me the inside scoop. Well, to be honest, you know what? When when things kind of at the end of the season, when I knew I wasn't going to be returning back to Vancouver, you kind of start the process. And you know what? You got to find the next opportunity. So the big thing is networking, get your name out there. Um, you know, I contact as many people as you know in the industry, and um, you know, I did a, did a whole bunch of interviews, and um, you know, I try and get yourself in the mix as much as you possibly can. Had a, had a couple of things in the works, and you know what, uh, Minnesota called me out of the blue, and um, I actually had uh, reached out to them previously about the interest of uh, I'd love to come here, and um, it came together really fast, and about a week or so, I guess, about maybe a week, week and a half ago, and um, you know what, it came together really quickly. It was just seemed like a, a great fit from from my perspective and a family lifestyle, and the organization is it speaks for itself. What they've done here, um, you know, what's a winning environment, winning culture, um, great staff, unbelievable staff management, everything. It just seems all inclusive. So it's. Uh, 
it's a very exciting group to be a part of. Yeah, the unis are pretty cool too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they sure are. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, so, you know, this is a really interesting time, Jason. I mean, everybody has followed your career, you know, right back from the from the Mooseheads right up through, um, you know, back to the Caps, Ice Caps here, and then uh, and then the coaching career. Did you, I don't want to get too melodramatic here, but do you take the step back, the big picture, and, um, and wonder how it all got to this point? And was coaching, I don't know if we've ever asked you this before, but was coaching always on the radar, or was it something that just came to you naturally? Um, you know what? It was always in the back of my mind. You, you never, when you're playing, you never ever want that to end. But you know, at some point, it's going to. But in saying that, you know what? I, I'm pretty blessed and fortunate that I was, you know, one, once I finished playing, to be able to walk right into an AHL assistant coaching position. Not many guys are fortunate to do that. So I was really, really lucky to get that opportunity with uh, with Glenn Stanford and Craig Heisinger in Winnipeg. So they kind of really jump-started my coaching career. But it was always, I had the itch to do it one, kind of once I knew my, my playing days were coming to an end. And um, you know what, and, and even in saying that, while I was playing, um, I always thought that being an assistant coach at the NHL would be a dream job for myself. So again, to be able to, to, be able to achieve that and reach that and, and be able to, you know, hopefully help guys and pass on my experience and knowledge and how I can help uh, an organization hopefully reach its goals. Um, I don't know. I, I love it. You know, it's just it, it's in me. It's, uh, it's just a passion I have, and I'm lucky that I got a great support system around me to let me do that. And um, yeah, really, really, just really enjoy what I do. Yeah, and it must, and it says speaks volumes about you as a person. You know, because you've been around the league a long time. You don't get these positions without people in your corner telling people that you're the right guy or, you know, references are in every job, but it's particularly in the NHL. It's a small community. Everybody kind of knows who the GMs are, who the coaches are. So just, it should speak volumes to you as a, as a person. And of course, I'm going to say as a Newfoundlander. It <laughs> <laughs> means a lot. It's, it, it's hard. It is. You know what? There's, there's not that many jobs uh, out there in the hockey world. And, you know, every, everybody has their, their buddies, their friends, their people that they want to see kind of fill those positions. So it's not, there's times that you really, don't, you, you really don't know anybody kind of within an organization. And, you know, you try to put your best foot forward and, and hopefully your reputation and what you've done, your resume speaks for itself and, and uh, improve and show what you can do. But um, it's definitely, it's not a... It's definitely not an easy occupation that if, um, you know, you, you definitely need to know people, need to network, and, and hopefully you know your stuff and, and things take care of themselves. But um, but it is fun. It, it sure it sure is. You know what, when you when you can't play anymore, um, to stay in the game, again, I'm pretty pretty fortunate to be able to do this. Yeah, and a short list of, of Newfoundlanders who've, who've been in those ranks uh, as an assistant coach. I mean, you know, Darrell Williams, of course, who actually got lucky enough to be a coach for a day. But um, I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't. And, of course, John Slaney, and um, I might be missing someone. But in any event, um, it, when you look back on, uh, on all of that, it's, it's a short list of people in those ranks. Uh, and as I was going to say, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask if you have coaching aspirations. I mean, do you think that far ahead, or is this just about staking out your, 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 uh, your place there in Minnesota? Um, I think it's a combination of both. Um, you know, especially this this summer when the change happened in Vancouver. You know what? I, I really thought about. Um, you know what? Do I do I dive into being ahead? Um, I, I've had some opportunities approached to me, or offered to me in the past. And you know, I, for me, it's I'm not in a hurry to kind of get to get to that area of, of my career. Um, I want to make sure that when that time comes, or if it does, that I'm I'm good and prepared for it. And you know, I just take this, the whole experience I've had from finish my playing days to now, 
Um, I think this should, this should be my 10th year coaching, I think, or 11th, yep. I'm sure. Um, 2013, wanna, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I, I want to I make sure that, you know, what if I do take the head coach approach at some point here that I'm good and ready for it. So all these, you know, opportunities for me, it's just, you know what, knowledge and stuff I can put in my back pocket and I can use hopefully later on. And, and if it doesn't, if I continue on to stay this path as an assistant, hey, I'm more than happy doing that as well. But, again, take the best of it, make the most of it, and, and enjoy every bit of it along the way. Yeah, uh, I won't keep you too much longer, but, um, you know, do you guys uh, commiserate a bit back and forth, uh, Williams or, or any of the other boys from back home? Uh, you know what, Daryl and I actually talked uh, quite a bit last year when we popped into, uh, we traveled into Philadelphia. We uh, we got together there and actually had a couple of good conversations. Um, great man, done really well in his career. Highly respected throughout the hockey world. So, you know, it's always, it's always great to bump into a fellow Newfoundlander. You always have something in common. You know, you always can talk about things back home and um and again like you always say it's always great to see newfoundlander succeed we always want the best of our kind back on the rock so um you know he's, he's had a he's he's done great throughout his career and he's a great man everything i hear about him and obviously that i know of he's uh he's a great gentleman yeah and again uh, it speaks on again the per, you know your, your your character your personality you don't get in these positions without uh, making a name for yourself and always being aware of how you carry yourself you know because you know how small the world is. Anything could come back to bite you. But if you, you know, it, uh, it's the reputation that follows you. And, and coaching is another level. It's another level of trust and responsibility, right? So great on you on behalf of anyone who's listening. Anyone you want to make a shout-out to while you uh, – I know Stanford, uh, you know, probably listening. He's working his uh, butt off here with, sure. the, with the Growlers. Oh, uh, yeah. Glenn, Glenn is – he's a great man. You know what? There, I, I owe Glenn a awful lot, um, you know, helping me getting to the coaching ranks. But even then, uh, to be able to work under Glenn and the, and the director of hockey ops, you know what? I, I learned so much from him. Um, you know, he's been doing this for a very long time, very knowledgeable, respectful, great family man, him and Debbie and their family. Mm. You know, I definitely owe a lot to him. But it's, there's so many people along the way that, you know what, I, it's hard for me to even list them off, but especially everybody back home, you know what, the support and the text message, you know, when you get, you know, you get this opportunity and it gets released out to the media and the text and phone calls that you get. Um, you know what? It's just the it's the true Newfoundland spirit that everybody roots for, for fellow Newfoundlanders and the pride that we have. So it's um, no, I, I thank everybody obviously that's helped me along the way. Everybody back home, it uh, it means a lot. You know, you try and make uh, try and make everybody proud for uh, for everything that they offer to you and do for you. So yeah, I guess the only thing now is I got to find a way to get Minnesota in my sports package. <laughs> the time change is always the you know as you start to move out western time change to get everybody back on the rock <laughs> do they get the half hour yet is it, is it in people's heads i know when i was trying to line up the interview the half hour always kind of catches people off guard especially the two and a half like yeah they they struggle with it it's it's actually it's funny we were joking about it yesterday we were doing some of our coaches meetings here and we were talking about I, a new flag came up and they're talking about, oh yeah the half hour the half hour right what's all that about <laughs> it's funny it's always it's always joked about but uh yeah it's always a little different absolutely man good on you um what are the chances where's minnesota going this year we hope far we hope you know what we're pretty optimistic with our group you never know the, the nhl is obviously a pretty competitive league now with uh you know the new salary cap era but um no we're, we're optimistic we got some uh some high-end talent and you know what we'll put our best foot forward and hopefully build on what they did here last year yeah and even if you're the eight seed <clears throat> florida panthers you can uh, still uh, do great things so um for sure you sure can and now in the league especially Jason King, uh, thanks again, man, for doing this. Congratulations on all the success. Uh, all the best with, uh, with the Wild this season and future. Appreciate it.
That is Jason King, good Cornerbrook boy there from the West Coast. Uh, just named this week assistant coach with the Minnesota Wilds. It'll be great to see him behind the bench whenever, uh, if you have a package or whatever you're watching your own team. Hopefully, just look for games now with the Wild in it and have a look at Jason. Uh, we're doing his magic behind the behind the uh, behind the bench. Anyway, we're going to take a break here for uh, news now in a moment, and when we come back, um, uh, the event down in Portugal Cove, St. Phillips, earlier this afternoon, uh, basically uh, revealing the location of the new high school that's going down there, ten to twelve. Um, and Premier Fury was there, of course, and other ministers and the mayor, and they had a grand old time. So I'll have some uh, audio, some tape from uh, from that event coming up after the break. I'm Brian Callahan in Fort Lindisway, and one more time this week on this Friday afternoon here on News Talk. We'll be right back. Call now, 273-5211 or one 590 vocm News Talk with Linda Swain will be back in a moment. Local news now, a VOCM News Update. This VOCM News, brought to you by the Countertop Place. You deserve the best. Let us make it happen. Good afternoon. I'm Jolene Grimes. A Mi'kmaq lawyer from Newfoundland and Labrador has been named to the Senate. Judy White, born and raised in Flat Bay, brings a commendable background in human rights issues, Indigenous governance, and legislative matters. Prior to this appointment, she served as an assistant deputy minister of Indigenous affairs in the province. A new high school in Portugal Cove, St. Phillips, will be built on Old Broad Cove Road at the corner of Maggie's Place. The announcement was made at a news conference at the town hall this afternoon. The grades 10 through 12 school will have a footprint of almost 4,800 square meters. This year's provincial budget included $127 million for new schools, which will also include Cartwright and Kenmount Terrace. School on Pillies Island will also be redeveloped. Statistics Canada says the unemployment rate ticked up to 4.5% in June. However, the story is the opposite in Newfoundland and Labrador, where the rate has dipped to its lowest in decades. Nationally, the 5.4% unemployment in June is up from 5.2% in May and the highest it's been in over a year. It also marked the second month in a row the unemployment rate nationally has risen. Meanwhile, the rate in Newfoundland and Labrador has dropped to under 9%. It was 10 10.2 in May, but currently stands at 8.8%. That's still the highest rate in the country, but closing in on PEI, where the jobless rate stands at 8.2%. St. John's stands at 5%, among the lowest of major cities in Atlantic Canada, surveyed by Statistics Canada. Up next, your VOCM weather and traffic. Get lost in the music of legendary artists like Elton John, The Beatles, and more. Join Claudette Barnes every Sunday from 12 to 1 p.m. and relive fond memories through the power of music with Sunday Melodies on your VOCM. Welcome back to uh, News Talk. I'm Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain one more time today. Linda's back next week. Rumor has it. Um, so earlier today, I uh, took a jaunt out Thorburn Road and down Portugal Cove, St. Phillips, and the town hall. So some time ago, the province did announce, um, as part of the budget, a new high school for Portugal Cove, St. Phillips, its first high school. Town has grown by leaps and bounds, of course, over the past decades. Um, Mayor Carol McDonald, of course, mentioned today how it was about uh, 2,600 each between Portugal Cove and St. Phillips back in the late 70s. 
now up to about almost 9,000, I think, 9,000 population of that whole area. And of course, we know for years, and, and, and it's always been the case, without the high school down there, they've had to bus uh, kids to high schools in St. John's, specifically PWC. They hope to alleviate that pressure now with this new high school. And today, the next phase of this uh, planning was um, uh, unveiled, and what they unveiled was the location. So. Almost 5,000 square meters. Uh, the landscape is going to change dramatically there along Old Prod Cove Road um, between, uh, say, Windsor Lake and up to Bennett's Road. Uh, that area there, kind of a narrow, I think Targa had a ball with that road there for some time because of its uh, twisty and turny road. Um, but uh, it's going to expand quite a bit, I would say, for uh, what's going in there. Brand new high school, $33 million over the next four years the province has allocated for for this particular school. Um, also, of course, there are schools going for Cartwright in Labrador and Kenmount Terrace as well. Uh, but it was all about this school today, this announcement this afternoon, revealing the locale. And, of course, uh, the Premier was there, ministers were there, the Mayor was there. But uh, we'll hear from the Premier first, um, some of his remarks uh, there at the Town Hall today. Our government recognizes the importance in creating strong, robust, progressive curriculum, as, we, as well as ensuring that there are appropriate school buildings to meet those needs of modern learners and educators alike. That's why, through Budget 2023, we announced $127 million to improve educational infrastructure, a portion of which will be dedicated to building a new high school right here in Portugal Cove, St. Phillips. And today, I am pleased to share that this new school will be constructed on the corner of Old Broad Cove Road and Maggie's Place. Our government is proud to invest $33 million over four years for this new school in Portugal Cove, St. Phillips. The new high school will be for grades 10 to 12 and meet the growing, continuing growing demands of this vibrant community. So students can stay closer to home, will not have to be bused as far, and take pressures off the schools that they currently feed into. I know that Mayor McDonald has been a tireless advocate for this school. We have talked about this for over a decade, Carol, I think. I also know that this has been proposed across governments with multiple colors for multiple years. So I would like to thank MHA Brazel, my, my MHA, for continuing to be a tireless advocate on this particular project. This stems back over a decade, really. And your efforts, sir, in ensuring that this got across the finish line are to be commended. Thank you. As a government, we will continue to make responsible decisions that anticipate the needs of a changing and growing population, particularly when it comes to students. Building a new high school is a proactive example of how we can ensure that the infrastructure is meeting the modern and growing demands of changing communities like Portugal Cove St. Phillips. And for increasing the increasing, think about this, the increasing number of students, new students across our province. Because for the second year, after 50 years of educational decline, the province school community is growing with enrollment expected to reach more than 64,000 students in September. We have invested in increasing immigration and attracting families 
to Newfoundland and Labrador, and it is working. They are making it their new home, and they are growing the K-12 population. Our government recognizes that a safe, inclusive, positive learning environment is a key contributor to a student's well-being, and really that extends to the staff who work within those buildings as well. So we will keep making investments, key critical investments inside and outside the classroom to help create an even more thriving and prosperous Newfoundland and Labrador. This new high school in Portugal Cove at St. Phillips is an investment in the community, an investment in the students, an investment in the teachers and educators, an investment in the future of Newfoundland and Labrador. As we continue to work together, my friends, to create a modern Newfoundland and Labrador to meet the demands of a modern global economy. I once again want to thank Mayor McDonald for her continue, continuous advocacy. Look at the wall back there. How many times are you on it, uh, Carol? Or how many years in total? Bookends. You're the bookends, is it? First and uh, continued, yeah. But not to be the last, continued, stay tuned. Not finished, not even close. But we, uh, we're entirely grateful for your service. If you look at that wall in all seriousness, your dedication to public service is second to none across municipalities. Your dedication to the community. Your dedication to the community has seen this community grow and to be a robust uh, community, an example for others integrating services and growing together across the province. And today's announcement is just an example of that. Not only will it serve Portugal Coast, St. Phillips, it will serve the entire Killick Coast, and we are grateful. And once again, I want to thank Dave Brazel for his efforts, um, tireless. I mean, a team effort for sure, but um, believe it or not, we do work across political lines at times, and this has been one project that uh, Mr. Brazel has ensured that has been top of mind uh, since I got in government and one that we recognize the importance of. And although you're leaving uh, the role of a leader, your legacy will live on in the developments that you've contributed to this uh, beautiful district as well. So thank you, and I look forward to standing with you all, with my colleagues in the House of Assembly, with the mayor, with the ministers, as we unveil this official school, hopefully in September of 2026. September of 2026, hopefully. Of course, we all know how contracts can go. There could be delays, but uh, that is the target date for the completion of a new high school for high school for Portugal Cove St. Phillips. And as you heard there, it's going to go at the corner of Maggie's Place and Old Broad Cove Road. You also heard the Premier there sort of mention subtly that, uh, you know, this has been a, in the works for more than a decade with big efforts by not just uh, the town and Mayor Carl McDonald there, but also, of course, Dave Brazel with the Tories. And, uh, you know, there were initial suggestions that this uh, school was being built down there out of the blue because the Premier's sons or, children or kids might go there. That was in the news. It was a bit of a hullabaloo there for a while, but he made the point today that, you know, this hasn't been uh, just the Liberal government's efforts. This has been in the works for many, many years. So um, you can take that from what you want. But of course, you also heard the Premier there uh, giving shout outs to the Mayor, Carol McDonald, all her years of service and getting again this uh, project, which you will hear right now, uh, was close, near and dear to her heart. To say I am 
pleased today would be an understatement because really I'm excited. I'm excited of this announcement because it's probably the highlight of my six years on council this term. We have worked hard to get here and on behalf of my council, the town and all residents, I would like to thank those involved for investing in the people of Port Jokov St. Phillips. Some of my councillors are here today. Some of them are working, couldn't get off, so sorry, but welcome to my councillors. Deputy Mayor Stuart Sharp, Councillor Will, and Councillor Hayden, and Councillor Bartlett. I have spent the past, I spent the past six years nagging our MHA Mayor, uh, Mr. Brazel, and I'm not sorry for that, Dave. I didn't stop there. I also nagged former Premier Ball. But I have to thank Premier Fury for finally listening and realizing that our concerns were valid. I don't want to date myself, but when I went to school, I had, we had one school, three rooms, and three teachers. So that'll tell you where I am. This school will complete the education of our students from kindergarten to grade 12. All students currently in Beachy Cove Elementary and most students in Brookside in Intermediate and all those to come will complete schooling here at home instead of traveling to the city every, every single day. A school not only offers a place for our children to learn and grow, but it also is, is so much more. It is one of the key issues, key assets of our community development and community building. Our vision here in Port Jocos and Phillips is of a town enabling all its residents to thrive, families, youth, and seniors. Today, we have helped with that vision, or you have helped with that vision. It is a giant leap forward, and I'm so happy to be part of getting us here. This school, completing our full complement of schools, will become another focal point for generations as we build upon our rich and vibrant heritage here in Portugal, Coast and Phillips. And that, once again, Mayor Carol McDonald of Portugal, Coast St. Phillips. Um, there at the town hall earlier this afternoon for an event to uh, basically unveil where the new high school is going to go, which is once again Old Broad Cove Road at the corner of Maggie's Place uh, on your right hand side if you're uh, coming off Windsor Lake area. And so that whole area is going to change dramatically over the next few years. Um, also, should mention the Tra Department of Transportation Infrastructure, John Abbott was there. Um, today as well, uh, also issued a request for proposals for the consultant team that will basically provide all the technical advisory services to develop the uh, a design build tender package for the new high school. So that um, that's also been issued now today. So that'll be the next stage of this. And you can get all that information if you've got a company looking at it on the government website. But once again, um, you know, long time coming. So uh, 2026, September 2026 is the target date for new high school for Portugal Cove St. Phillips. Um, we're going to take a short break here on uh, News Talk. When we come back, um, our own Brian Medor was down at City Hall earlier today for the uh, raising of the pride flag to mark the week and month of celebrations for the LGBT community. We'll hear from that event right after your next break here on News Talk. Join Greg Smith weeknights at 545 as he chats with local musicians about life, inspiration shows, and new music. Tune in to Soundcheck, your backstage pass to the local music scene on your VOCM. 
Welcome back to the program. Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain. One more time today on Friday afternoon into the home stretch here. Claudette, we're into the home stretch, but uh, maybe people are a little uh, more anxious to get somewhere than they should be. What do you got? A couple accidents? Yeah, uh, I think it could be the one accident just worded differently. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Right? Uh, so we Are have, the locations the um, same? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So it says uh, traffic is slow westbound on the Trans-Canada Highway near the Salmonier Line turnoff, right? And right. then, of course, uh, another message came in saying traffic is slow down just after the Rod and Gun Club because it looks like the eastbound vehicle went into the median, flew over to the westbound lane. So, so I'm assuming... I hate using that word. That is the same accident from the Rod and Gun Club as you approach uh, Salmon Airline. Yeah, it could be. I know the Rod and Gun Club and Salmon Airline are, you don't picture them both in the same you area. You don't but at all. But when I just uh, checked the traffic area, that's the slowdown is, yeah. uh, the accident could be up further, but the slowdown is near the Rod and Gun Club. Well, I hear you on the assume part. When we were in school, <laughs> we always used to say, if that you assume it. something, ask yep, out of you and exactly. me. Exactly. Okay. Almost afraid to say that. Me too. When Whenever I say it, I always catch myself, but uh, let's hope everyone's okay. Uh, with that accident um, and we'll keep an eye on it and send out I'm sure newsrooms checking out with the RCMP to see if we can get some more information on that well in the meantime if we get an update now we'll, before the end of the show we'll certainly uh, throw it out there um, the uh, Pride events course in downtown St. John's today to kick off a week and month of celebrations for the LGBTQ plus community um, yeah let's just get to it uh, down in downtown St. John's today the mayor was there um, let's see who else was there this morning. I had all of this in front of me and now computer issues. Yes. Eddie St. Cur, of course, um, chair of St. John's Pride. He was interviewed by reporters uh, down there today outside City Hall. And as soon as I find <laughs> it's so bad, this was um, uh, Brian Medor and other reporters interviewed uh, Eddie as well as the mayor and others who were on hand for this morning's event. So we start today with the flag raising ceremony at City Hall and then on Sunday the St. John's Farmers Market is hosting the Queer Market. There's a group that's hosting um, th that's hosting a pool party for women later in the afternoon and then there's a BIPOC panel that's happening when the Students Union kick off their, their Pride Week that's happening at the university. There's trivia nights, there's games nights, there's clothing swaps, there's drag events that are happening. There's Pride in the Park, there, there's film screenings happening. If anybody wants to get involved and we encourage you to come out and get involved and to learn more about the community you can go to our website at stjpride.ca. So a little something for everybody. Absolutely. And is there an event you're most looking forward to out of that list? I'm very much looking forward to Pride, Pride on the Pier. I think that's going to be great, and we thank Harvey's Oil for bringing that together. Um, I always love the parade itself and a lot of the evening and nighttime events. I'm especially excited to see the events that the Students' Union has pulled together and the, the film screening and all those kinds of things because Pride is more than those nightclub scenes. It's more than... Um, going to a performance show. There's so many different facets of the community and it's so nice to see such a broad range of events being put together by the community that people can go enjoy. That's great. And so, you know, a lot of times the Pride events where this happens every year, the planning starts after the Pride event ends last year. Yeah. Of course, you know, you've only been in this role for five or six weeks, as you mentioned. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about how, you know, I guess the work put in or how you were able to pull this off in that amount of time? The community is the way that we've been able to pull this off. Full stop. That is how this has been able to come together. When the Pride Board came together so late and was elected so late, we kind of really quickly got together and said, okay, well, how are we going to do this? And rather than us taking on the responsibility and pushing out this is what we think the Pride Festival is going to be, 
we went out to the community and because community will all will, the community did what community will always do and when they weren't sure if the pride board was going to come together they took it upon themselves to start planning events so we reached out and said tell us when your events are and when we mapped all that out on a calendar it was two weeks and if it wasn't for all these community organizers and all of these different organizations that are that took it upon themselves to bring pride events together we wouldn't have as robust of a festival we do and we really hope that this continues and and we're hoping in august the board will be able to announce next year's pride festival dates because one thing we learned is there's a lot of people who want to come home but because the dates often get announced too late in the season they can't plan around it and those kinds of things so we're really hoping to see a lot more tourists come in from away to celebrate with us next year as well eddie you made a statement the uh community is under attack. Can you just kind of expound on that a bit? Who did you mean? What did you mean? And, and what's happening? Yeah, Brian, so there's, we're seeing across the country is there's this concerted effort of people, typically from right-leaning politics, that are trying to make a name for themselves. And they latch on to whatever the enraging topic is of, of the day. And if you follow the people, you'll notice they were there when they were protesting the mass. They were there for the yellow jackets. They were there when the convoy protests were going on. And now the big enraging thing is protecting trans rights and protecting queer rights. So these people have latched onto this purely to just try and make a name for themselves so that they can advance their own agenda. And it's very concerning because we see a lot of this bubbling up from the states. We see it happening in New Brunswick right now with Policy 7, 713 being reviewed, which, which will put kids in danger. There are kids that do not have a safe home to go to and the school is one of those places where they can feel safe and that they can they can navigate their journey and that's why mental health supports are so important to have in schools because we need people to be able to save those kids and make sure that those kids don't do don't follow the trend that we're seeing and that they feel like there's no hope and then we lose those kids and we can't get them back and and a lot of attack we're feeling a lot of attack and people saying oh you're trying to turn you're trying to turn kids queer and everything everything like that we are not trying to turn turn your kids queer we're trying to make sure that you that the queer kids in our community are protected that's our fundamental and those kids are the ones that we're really standing up for and that's why these kinds of events are so important and that's why we have to stand up to these attacks on queer rights they're charter rights that are enshrined in the charter of rights and freedoms and we can't go backwards and we're not going to go backwards is there an age in which uh, education should be introduced into the education system do you think about such rights that is that you would like to see yeah. there's always debate on that topic yeah well i mean i think that there's educators out there and there's, there's people who have degrees in pedagogy and curriculum that, that, that can fi- that can fine-tune what is appropriate, and there's loads of national resources on that through EGAL Canada and Fierté Pride Canada that are working on that. And there are, like, what, we're tr- what we see happening in, in elementary schools is, and it, what's really important is, is a focus to, to show kids that in the world that they live in, people are different, and they might be different, and it's okay to be different. That's the fundamental thing that at a really young age that we're trying to push so that as those as those youth grow and become members of society and that's that's what our education system is meant to do so that when they get into the world and they are they are adults living in our society they already know that individualities exist they know that differences exist and they know that that's okay and that's and that and that's enriching to our society and good things can come from that society and it can make different discussion with different perspectives and that's why it's important that all throughout grade school we include appropriate education that educate that educators reason out because fundamentally that's what we want we want these kids to grow up and know that they're safe and know that people come from different families and if they come from a different family that's okay that's not abnormal that's that's how life is and that when they become adults in 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 our society that they have that in mind and they have that inclusivity and, and understanding in mind 
And that is uh, Eddie St. Cure, the chair of St. John's Pride. And he was speaking there, of course, uh, with uh, VOCM's Brian Medore, as well as other reporters down marking Pride Week and month events. Uh, the kickoff uh, with the raising of the pride flag at St. John's City Hall this morning. Um, so that just about brings us to the end of a week of news talk. And uh, mentioned Linda Swain should be back in the saddle next week. Claudette, big plans for the weekend? <laughs> well, first to put on my headphones. I should have I I given you a heads up on that. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, going down to the Newfoundland Labrador Folk Festival on Sunday. I know the uh, headliner is going to be Rum Ragged then. Mm-hmm. Kelly Loader is going to be there tonight. Uh, Amelia Curran on Saturday night. It's going to be a memorable weekend for sure at Bannerman Park. Yeah, we just I just live about a five-minute walk from it, so uh, I'm going to take it in tomorrow night. i got other commitments tonight but um and if you're not hitting the folk festival you could always check out just circling back on our sports talk earlier in the show um if you're a jays fan should be an interesting night to see what alec manoa can do on the mound if you follow the jays at all of course had a bit of implosion of his own there a little while ago was sent down right down to the rookie league got lit up there and they must have fixed something or think they've fixed something because within a couple of weeks he's back up and starting tonight for the jays against the Tigers. So uh, they had a quick little sweep of the White Sox there the last couple of days. Doubleheader yesterday, which aren't those aren't easy to sweep because back-to-back games, any manager will tell you they're hard to sweep. But uh, they did come out of all three of those games, and if they can manage to at least get a split or even sweep the Tigers the weekend, all the fortunes and all the Jays fans will be happy again going into the All-Star break. Just as long as Vladdy doesn't uh, ruin his home run stroke at the Home Run Derby, and I'll leave that for another day. There you go. That's my pontification on the Jays for the weekend. Uh, thanks, everyone, for um, tuning into the program this week while I filled in for Linda Swain. Um, as I said, Linda should be back next week in the saddle. Um, have a great weekend. Have a safe weekend. Drive safely. Drive alive. VOCM cares.